Hi, this is Kelsey, and you are listening to Foot of the Cross. I just want to say God bless, and I hope that today was just a great day for you. I know that some days can be stressful for us, and you know what I do when I get stressful. I go outside. Going outside for me is like, hmm, I've actually explained this before. I go outside to to feel closer to God. I don't know if you ever do that or if you even believe in God. But if you do, then maybe you'll understand. But if I am angered or not at peace or in in between a rock and a hard place, I walk outside and I just close my eyes and I kind of glare up at the sun without directly looking at it you know how they always say you can't directly look out the sun so that's what I do (laughs) close my eyes and glare up and uh I just try to relax you know and feel God's inner peace and I say a prayer within and say God you know what I am not having a good day and I'm struggling and I thank you in the name of Jesus that when I go back inside that I will be at peace and that you fill me with that inner peace that I need to go throughout this day and get the things done that I need to get done and to proceed with whatever I've got to do (laughs) to contribute to my life, to my son's life, to my daughter's life. And then I say in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And um, there hasn't been very many times where that didn't help. So if you ever go through a hard time like that, why don't you try it next time? And uh, if it doesn't work for you, maybe something else will, you know? There was a thunderstorm tonight, and let me just tell you, there's nothing like a good thunderstorm that lasts a good while to bring inner peace. I feel way more connected to God uh, through rain than I do sunshine, believe it or not. I don't know. It's just something about the way... You know where in the Bible it talks about how and after the storm went away, when Noah was on his boat, there was a rainbow, you know, and it was God's promise that he was never going to flood the earth again. I've always loved storms, and I've always loved rainbows, and uh, part of the reason why I like storms, though, has to do with my insomnia, and because of my insomnia, like my kids, I have to have a fan on or a TV on and I always used to hate that you know just like my dad used to because my my grandmother before she died she always had to have lifetime on or the news whenever she was going to sleep and the more sicker she got she would sleep in the living room so everybody had to hear you know the filthiest language coming out of like uh Sylvester Stallone's mouth, you know, (laughs) out of all these, like, old-time HBO movies, 
kind of thing if she wasn't watching the news or Lifetime. And, uh, oh, my dad hated it. But anyway, so, yeah, I'm one of those people. And you can say, well, why don't you put your earbuds on and turn it to something peaceful? But I heard that that's really bad for you, actually. And that it can hurt your eardrums. And I don't want to do that. Um, And the more safer the earbuds are, the more expensive they are. So, But I am looking out for a good pair to buy. So anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and get straight to the point. Um, A friend of mine... A friend of mine was struggling and took a lot, I mean a lot, of her Xanax. Uh, She went through a lot of it. And she went and bought some from a friend of hers. And then she had already taken a few on the way home. And she called me freaking out because she had taken about six. And uh, they were the bars, you know, the two milligrams. And she said, I relapsed, Chelsea. I relapsed really, really bad. And I don't know what to do. And uh, I said, well, you sound pretty messed up, man. And I said, "Um, are you sure you're just on Xanax? Because she usually could actually handle, you know, five or six bars. I mean, (laughs) it would take a good ten bars to really kick her butt. So I really didn't understand why she was so messed up. And then about half hour after talking to her, she called me back while I was in the bathroom. And I came back into the room and I saw a missed call. And I called her back and she said... You're not going to believe this, but the Xanax that I bought, um, it, it was like not fake. There was Xanax in there, but there was fentanyl in there too. And that just scared me so bad because she could have absolutely died. She could have totally died. And, um, I've done episodes just on fentanyl on the show and it was really scary i talked to her throughout most of last night just to make sure that she was okay and we stayed on the phone i mean probably until about six o'clock this morning which is why i'm so tired now you have to be careful you know um i know a lot of people right now that are literally getting on methadone and going to methadone clinics and quitting drugs because of the fear of not knowing what they're taking now in these days. And you know what? They've never really known what they were taking. Why didn't it scare them a long effing time ago? Why... Are they just now waking up to this? It took 
a fentanyl pandemic to happen for them to wake up and start saying shit. Excuse my language. But they're like, shit, man, you know, I've got to get off this stuff. I don't I don't know if it's heroin. I don't know if it's fentanyl. I don't know if it's morphine. I'm not putting any more of this crap in my veins if I don't know what it is. These people could be lying to me, man, just to make a few extra bucks. And that's what they're doing. And people are dying every single day because they are putting stuff in their veins or in their mouths and swallowing it without knowing what it is. Because people are making their own stamps on the side of pills. And they will totally look like, I mean, they're so similar. Even to a doctor's eye. You can look it up on YouTube and a doctor will look at the one that someone off the street made and one that came out of the pharmacy. And even he, he was given both of them and he was supposed to be able to tell which one was the fake and which one was the real one. And he was sure after 30 years of being a doctor that he was going to be able to tell you. And they did this with the pharmacist too, and both of them failed. So that's that's the world we're living in today. It's real scary. And that's why I remind my daughter every single day, your body is a temple. Jesus made you. He created you. He knew you before you were born. You do not have the right to go out there and poison my baby. I do not want a phone call from a mother from someone's house that she's staying at telling me that my daughter is not breathing and that they're doing CPR on her and that they don't know what she's taking. And then when they find out what she's taking, by that time it's too late. I don't want that phone call. And so many moms have gotten that phone call. You have got to take care of your children. And how you can take care of your children. One of the biggest things is keeping them up to date on their knowledge of drugs. And you can say all day long, why would you tell your kids about drugs? Because if I don't, somebody else will. And when they tell them about it, it's going to seem a lot more interesting. It's going to seem a lot more fun. And then it will be a lot more tempting to do and try. And I don't want that to happen. So I want to take the control away from the first person that's going to try and get my daughter to use. I want to take that control away from that young man that's going to try to sleep with her and get her high. And I want to be the voice inside her head that reminds her how dangerous it is. And the risk that she is taking. She could get pregnant. She could get an STD. She could overdose. She could die 
and she might not return home to me. And all of those are things. And not only that, but she's also sinning. And God is everywhere. And God is watching us. He's not just watching her. He's watching all of us. And I said, and if you do it, that means I'm also not doing my job. So please, let's not fail. And let's do this right. And keep our kids in check. Make sure they know what's out there and make sure they know what is going to be expected of them. They are going to be expected to get drunk when they go to college. They are going to be expected to be playing beer pong and all that stuff. And all of those things that once seemed so innocent, it's not so innocent anymore. Because now... And my daughter has even told me, Mom, I don't even sit my cup down, not even for a minute. And I'm like, that's my girl. And she said, I don't do it until I am totally done with it. And I say, that's my girl. I've taught you well. (laughs) I've taught you well, Earthling. (laughs) That is... Mother empowerment right there. We stop it. We stop when we want it to stop. And we can stop the line of drug addicts right now by making sure that this generation doesn't become addicted. We can stop the generational curse of addiction in our family by making sure that our loved ones don't become addicted. Be part of that. Be part of stopping the use of drugs in your family. And if you are using and you have a child and she hasn't used yet, Stop right now. Stop this very instant. Do what's best for your child and what's best for you. Go to a rehab. Do what you got to do. And show your child, look, look what mama's doing. Because I love you. Love yourself. Because first of all, you can't love anyone else until you love you. Okay? And you're never going to love yourself if you continue to use drugs. So the first thing you have to take care of is your own addiction. And you have to get yourself sober. So let's get you sober first. And show your daughter or your son or your son and daughter. Yes, I did this for me, but I also did this for you. Let them see how much you love them. And then through their own growth and your own spiritual gain and spiritual growth from getting clean, they will see what a wonderful transition you have made. And they will learn to never do drugs. And you will stop that curse that was once in your family. 
that curse of addiction that once had a hold in your family will finally be over. And if your child is already addicted and you are addicted, then both of you go to rehab together. And maybe you will have to go to different ones. That's okay. But talk to each other. Tell each other, it's time. We are never, ever going to stop if we don't choose now. And they're going to find us dead somewhere. And it's going to be so conventional. And it's going to be so... You're going to be such a stereotype. One of you is going to die first, and the other one is going to die right behind you because they're going to be dying from grief and they're going to continue to do drugs, and it probably won't be far behind the other person because they're going to be so sad and it's going to cause them and justify for them to use more. So, one of you has got to make the decision to tell the other one, it's time, mom. It's time, daughter. Or it's time, mom. And it's time, son. Let's get the help we need. And if it's the entire family, it's time, mom. It's time, daughter. It's time, son. It's time, dad. And maybe dad only drinks a few beers a day. While the mom and daughter are popping pills and the youngest is smoking meth here and there and Willand and Dylan, you have a house and turmoil. None of these children will ever succeed in, in anything in their entire lives. And watch out because if any of them get someone pregnant, and guess what? Grandma and Grandpa, they're going to be moving in with you. Because if your young adult kids who are addicts are already living with you, the grandkids will be living with you too. And they will have addicts as parents, and they'll probably come out with drugs in their system because the mom can't get off drugs while she's pregnant. The teenage mom. Who's going to financially take care of all of this? And who's going to financially help dad drink every day and buy mom and the daughter's pills every day and buy little man's meth every day? It starts with getting clean. It starts with getting clean now before all those other things happen. And if they've already happened... So what? Every day is time to get clean. Every day is a better time than tomorrow to get clean. Do you understand? Because if you got clean today, you're one more step closer to being more cleaner tomorrow and more cleaner the next day, and more cleaner the next day, and every day that you're more sober, 
less painful. And I'm not going to lie to you, it will be hard. It will be the hardest thing you'll ever do. But it will be the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. And God promises he will not give us any more than we can bear. I have gone through it by myself with the blinds closed. Just me, my Bible. My mom stopped by every couple of days. I didn't want to be on methadone anymore. Because at the time I was using methadone as a way to stop using drugs. And I did not want to have to be tied down to something anymore that I didn't feel like I needed anymore. And I had a job in my own place. And I had both my kids and I was proud of myself. And when I got down to 25 milligrams, which at one point I was at 175 milligrams, they were tapering me down 10 milligrams a, a week. And they said, oh, please don't leave at 25 milligrams. We'll help you. You can go down one milligram every, like, you know, five days <laughs> so that it'll be less painful. And I said, screw that. <laughs> I'm going home and I'm going to do this because that sounds more frustrating to me, <laughs> you know. So it was tough. But me and my huge bag of Skittles and big box of chocolate milk and my mom coming by to check on me every two days with her blood pressure um thingy blood pressure machine and my monitor and my sex in the city on DVDs <laughs> and she kept the kids I did it and I came out the other side and when I did they did have to put me on antipsychotic, but it was because I needed to be on one, and I'm still on it. And I call it antipsychotic because I have PTSD, and I am on Xanax. And there's a lot of people that judge me for being on Xanax. They're like, how can you preach people about not doing drugs when you yourself do drugs? Yes, I have been in a place where I took way too much Xanax. The first time I took way too much Xanax was when I first got my hands on it because I'm like, oh my God, the pain is gone. <laughs> um, I, I got off the methadone and was still seeing the same doctor and he was uh, giving me small doses of Suboxone that I could take at home. And there was no high, but it kept me from wanting to get high, and that was the point. So I was like, this is a lot better. And it was a lot better for me at that time. And because I was no longer taking methadone, he could treat me for my PTSD, and he put me on Xanax. And, um... The second he did, I mean, like, all my problems from my PTSD, screaming in the middle of the night, all of those things were gone. So, for the first month and a half, I was abusing them. 
And I turned them over to my mom and I said, Mom, I can't go back to being an addict and this medicine I do have to be on because I can't um, not be on Xanax. I have AFib and they do have other medicines for being on it, but I can't be on any kind of blood pressure medicines or any or any kind of antihistamines. And uh, so I, I take Xanax at night only now. That way it's also in my system throughout the whole day, the next day. And uh, one of the reasons, of course, was when I had that car accident at 16 and my boyfriend was the one driving. Um, one day when my mom was driving the car, I had a horrible flashback and I saw the entire wreck happened and I had that happen one time before while I was driving and I almost died but this time my mom was driving and uh, my doctor said it probably happened right then because something she did reminded you of the accident and not only that but someone else was driving when the accident occurred. So we thought it was going to be a one-time thing. But for an entire year and still to this day, sometimes it's very, very hard for me to get in the car when someone else is driving. If I'm driving, I feel like I'm in control. And I don't actually like saying that. I'm going to go ahead and change my words. I feel like me and God are in control. And I know that we've got this. But the coolest part about this, though, is that I've had chances to get a car. And I pass those chances up. And now I know why. It's because I needed to work on that before driving again. Because there was a couple of times while I was driving where it happened and I had to pull off the interstate, which is one of the most dangerous things you can do. And I could have gotten killed. I could have gotten hit. And uh, one of the times it was snowing. There was snow all over the ground and I was in Birmingham, Alabama on the way to my methadone clinic to dose because I was going to the one in Bessemer at the time. And... Boom, my panic attack hit. My mom couldn't drive that day. Her knee was hurting really bad. And she said, listen, you're not personally covered, but it will cover you um, because we've got full coverage. So you drive today. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yes. And bam, I literally wasn't even six miles away. Took me an hour and a half to get in the car and... I got there five minutes before they closed and was able to dose. And I can say that's the end of our happy story. But what I'm trying to say is that made me realize, you know what? This is something I'm going to have to work on for a while before I start driving again. This is a part of my life that I need to put behind me. And maybe sometimes it happens, but that's okay. 
So I started breathing exercises, and I'm going to go ahead and warn you: don't ever, if you're if you have any difficulties like me, or that relate to mine, don't ever, ever, ever do what I did. I was doing my breathing exercises in the car while someone was driving, and. It was breathing exercises that a real therapist was telling me to do on YouTube, but she didn't tell me to do them in the car. She was telling me to do them at home. And I thought, just maybe if I did them in the car, then I could skip a step and I would get better faster. And, well, it literally almost caused me to pass out multiple times. And, uh... So, when I talk about these things, <laughs> I guess I should say, don't try this at home. <laughs> Do your own studying before doing anything, please. But eventually, I was able to learn on certain things like getting a car. And don't start talking right away. Focus on something like, oh, it's a beautiful morning. For a while there, it was easier to leave right before the sun came up. So that I didn't see everything, you know. And not only that, but hardly any cars would be on the road, you know. So that also helped. And... Also, it would be more peaceful at night. So that kind of helped a little bit too. My dad, he loved talking a lot. So <laughs> he wasn't the best person to uh, drive me to the methadone clinic for a while while I was going through this. But he was good at saying, okay, okay, I'll shut up, I'll shut up. We'll turn the... The radio off will turn the air on even though it's 20 degrees out. Whatever you need. <laughs> and he would put a jacket on. Because I would feel like I was going to pass out. And my nerves inside my body. I mean, they're, they're messed up anyway from my car accident. Sometimes I can't tell when I'm cold. And sometimes I can't tell when I'm hot. And, um... My anxiety on top of that will mess with them. And when it's cold outside, I'll be sweaty. And when it's hot outside, I'll be, like, actually shivering. So, and uh, he would say, put a jacket on. And I'm like, are you nuts? I'm hot. And he's like, oh, my God. All she ever says is, you know, I'm freezing. <laughs> and now she's saying she's hot. Uh it's still raining, but it's a peaceful rain. I don't know if you can hear it or not. However, I can tell it's going to be real cold tomorrow because it's like that big bulky rain that's slow, you know, and it's really cool outside. Not freezing, but cold. So you can tell tomorrow the roads might be a little icy and it's definitely going to be chilly. So I better bring a jacket to the methadone clinic. <laughs>
Alright, so I hope you guys have a wonderful night. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Foot of the Cross. Boon of the Cross. <laughs> Silly me. Oh, I almost said I need to go tell my son to get in the bed and get off Xbox. And I forgot. It's a weekend. But uh, you guys have a good week. And not only that, but I don't have to go to that I'm going to get in the morning because I have my take-homes. And if you don't know what those are, if you stay clean, you get take-homes and don't have to go to the methadone clinic every day. <laughs> All right. And I've been sober for a long time, so I get my take-homes. You guys have a wonderful night. Thanks for tuning in. And if you're going through a hard time, please just, you know... Flip that Bible open, read the first thing that comes to mind, and talk talk it out, God, you know? And just and if you can't sleep, read that Bible until your eyes start closing, I promise you. Over any sleeping pill, the Bible works. <laughs> Alright. So God bless. Get Spotify, get anchor, get heard. Thanks for listening, for tuning in on Foot of the Cross. Good night. Till tomorrow. Peace.